This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to Rock and Roll Politics, the podcast with me, Steve Richards, the first of 20. 24. Thanks so much for tuning in wherever you are. Uh, this will be slightly shorter. Normal services will be resumed at the beginning of next week, where uh, I will begin also again reading out some of the brilliant emails that are coming in. I've had great emails actually from uh, people who came to the live show, where at the live show, which um, rarely and unusually was recorded and put out as a bonus uh, just after Christmas. Uh, some of you may have heard it. Uh, someone in the audience, Christian Walmar, said, what should Labour's slogan be at the uh, next general election? We are in election year. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy election year. Um, and anyway, some of you emailed about that. And we've got other things. All that next week. I'm just going to pop up now, if it's okay, because I'm kind of on the road with a few New Year reflections. And then, as I say, uh, early next week, the whole cooperative will be back in action. So if you've got thoughts, get them in over the coming days. Uh, the New Year period is always fascinating in politics because party leaders are obliged, really, to at least affect definition. Precise definition is quite dangerous in politics, but the art is to affect clarity and definition. And so their chosen themes tell us a lot about them, and the pitch they are going to make. Now, we will explore this in much more detail in the coming weeks because this is early in the new year and the leaders give party inter the interviews on various programs as well as these kind of set-piece speeches. But I just want to make one kind of observation, if it's okay with all of you, to sort of kick us all off, and it is this. There there's only one way back for Sunak and the Conservatives, if there is a way, and it is emphatically not the haphazard route he is pursuing. Um, it was really interesting to hear, for example, that Sunak met uh, Dominic Cummings a couple of times last year. Uh, I thought it was interesting because it just showed how desperate he was to find a route towards victory 
And Cummings, who in his interest in improving the way the state works and delivers, is a much more interesting figure than I thought he was when he was that kind of behind-the-scenes maniac uh, in the build-up to a Brexit. But his advice to Sunak was crazy. It was, in a way, Truss-esque, cut taxes left, right, and center, but at the same time spend money on the NHS. Um, it was economically illiterate and, of course, would have made no sense of Sunak as a leader because Sunak's pitch really was that he came up to clear up the mess that Liz Truss had created in her glorious reign in the year before last, we've now got to say. Seems like yesterday. Um, so it was crazy advice, and Sunak was right not to take it. But wasn't it interesting that he was willing to take the risk of turning to Cummings because he was desperate? Uh, he was pulling levers left, right, and centre, and Labour's poll lead did not change. And we know now from the early maneuverings that Sunak's pitch will be, although not quite as extreme as Cummings' propositions, um, as I say, Cummings is much more interesting on how you deliver on the state. And I think his testimony to uh, the COVID inquiry was very interesting in that respect. But that wasn't the focus, although he wanted to go in and then reform uh, the way Whitehall works, etc. Um, but we know it's going to be about tax cuts, and the boats, more on the boats. They put James Cleverly up for the first kind of cabinet ministerial interview of the year. Um, it will be pitched rightwards. But here is the twist and the big basic mistake that Sunak is making as other Tory party leaders have made, which is this. There are many downsides of Keir Starmer's kind of fundamental call as a leader, which was after he lost the Hartlepool by-election, to turn to the election winners, Blair, Mandelson, etc., the new Labour era. But there is one thing unquestionably uh, where that technique is triumphant, the new Labour technique. It is that it can defeat a Tory party on the right. Uh, because basically what the new Labour pre-election technique is, is to kind of reassure, reassure, reassure uh, that change will be limited, but they will be more grown up and sensible, and there will be two or three incremental changes that point to a more hopeful future. That's the technique. And so you build up this huge coalition, basically to those who want more kind of policies from the left. You say, well, the only alternative you've got is this mad right-wing Tory party, so we'll be better than that. And to Tory voters disillusioned, as they inevitably, some will be after a long period of wild rule, um, 2010, this all began. Um, they say, look, you know, you don't need to worry too much. You know, there we are with our union jacks and all the rest of it. Um, uh, change will be limited. So you can vote for us too. It's a recipe towards big Labour electoral victories. It's deeply constraining in power in some respects, as we will no doubt explore in the coming weeks and months in our time together. But it's highly effective if you've got a Tory party moving to the right, because there is still a gap. 
And so the only route towards challenging this kind of new Labour approach to elections would be to kind of do a kind of one-nation Tory pitch where it, on, in some respects you move, in inverted commas, to the left of the very cautious Starmer pitch, the new Labour pitch. Now, this is what helped Johnson win in 2019. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Johnson was a wholly haphazard, I'm using that word a lot, but there's a lot to be haphazard about in British politics, haphazard narrator, you know, one minute saying, you know, well, I can't, we could be like Singapore, making the most of Brexit, tax cuts, etc. But the essence of the pitch in 2019, let's take Brexit out of it for a moment, was building hospitals, levelling up, um, and, and so on. Now, that has all gone because uh, Sunak is a small state Thatcherite Tory, whereas Johnson was, as he said himself, Rooseveltian. He believed in a sort of active state. He called himself a Brexity Heza. Now, when he was that, the post-Hartlepool version of Keir Starmer struggled at times to counter what Johnson was doing. And it's very interesting. If you look back, the big mistake the young William Hague made after 1997, uh, when he became leader of the Tory party, it was the first Labour landslide, was to do this thing. Uh, he, he basically, he's, he has said since, he's much more mature and interesting these days. But he said, I'm, we've had to, in the end, we were so desperate, we were going to be slaughtered. We followed a core vote strategy. And he, he attacked New Labour from the right. Um, and actually what he should have done, remember those early, uh, very tough spending limits that uh, Labour uh, under Blair and Brown adhered to, which Ken Clark, the outgoing chancellor, said he had no intentions of sticking to. They were far too tight. And the clever thing for Haig to have done would have said, this is too constraining and is undermining public services. We are one nation Tories and, and attack them in effect again, in inverted commas, from the left. It would have been a Tory left argument. And I think then it's very interesting. I'll be reading Dennis McShane's diaries uh, over the New Year period. And uh, he was an absolute loyalist, but he was worried and discontented about the narrow uh, ambition of that government in some respects. And he's, he reported other MPs from the so-called Blairite wing being equally worried and discontented. Well, what if you had a Tory party offering uh, a bolder um, sense of ambition 
for the public realm than this very incremental new Labour government. Of course, it didn't happen. You had a, uh, an attack from the right, which was literally incredible and gave New Labour the space to say they were the ones protecting public services while offering selective tax cuts, etc. It gave them space to win another landslide in 2001. And no Tory leader, uh, although with the partial exception uh, in, in a tonal way of Cameron in the build-up to 2010, where he affected a passion for the NHS as currently constituted, of course, behind the scenes. Andrew Lansley was planning a complete, with Cameron's full knowledge, uh, a, an absolute reconstruction of the NHS. But do you remember his party conference speech where he said he could sum up his passion in three letters, NHS, and actually got standing ovations when addressing meetings of NHS employees and so on. Um, and of course, it, 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 but it was a mess. And that's why it didn't work more effectively. But they sort of won in 2010. But that lesson of Hague and what happened to Hague has never been learnt. And so you have Sunak looking at options of how to address this lead formed with this kind of new Labour tactic by Starmer. And of course, he pulls each lever from the right and nothing happens because, so for example, you know, if Hunt announces income tax cuts in the budget, Rachel Reeves or Keir Starmer will stand up and say, we support that. Taxes are too high on working people and so on. So it is immediately neutered. But if Jeremy Hunt was to announce a One Nation Tory budget, where he will uh, sort of focus, say, on the NHS, and levelling up, and say, this cautious Labour Party is proposing scant stuff, we are going to do this, this and this, it would throw the kind of New Labour, uh, in inverted commas, strategy into a more vulnerable place. But as long as they go from the right, Labour will win big with this cautious strategy. And the degree to which they haven't realised this, or haven't dared to reflect on it, shows with, for example, Keir Starmer's opening New Year speech, where he talks about reviving standards in public life and politics and so on. Um, now, if Sunak had wanted to personify change, that should have been an early hit for him. It's a relatively straightforward one to say we have not met the high standards demanded in public life in recent months. From now on, we're going to. That should have been his day one speech, but instead, famously, he didn't turn up to vote on Boris Johnson's uh, behaviour, you know, in that House of Commons debate on the standards report, which was utterly condemning, and, and so on. Uh, he has given Keir Starmer the space to do, as Tony Blair did in 1997. Uh, Tony Blair called it sleaze, and they were going to, Tony Blair actually said, even a perception of not being whiter than white would be unacceptable in his government. Now, he couldn't keep to that, and he's subsequently admitted that the whole focus on sleaze was a mistake because it just fueled an anti-politics mood. Um, and, of course, he then was accused of it himself in power. But, 
Kistama has that space because obviously huge amounts of uh, uh, outrageous things have been going on. And Sunak has not sought distance from it. And therefore, uh, you can do this thing of we will clean up politics and public life and here's how and so on. In power, it will become complicated for Keir Starmer, but as a route to power, as well as saying, you know, yeah, if you cut income tax, we'll support that, and national insurance, we support that, and so on. There is no space for a Tory recovery. Labour can do integrity in public life. Um, taxes are too high, but we will improve public services through economic growth. And although, of course, that raises a thousand questions and that non-DOM tax, which is being overworked, um, of course it raises a thousand questions. But the questions only acquire real potency if you have a government addressing those issues in a bolder way. Now, I'm saying all this knowing full well that this is not a strategy that Sunak will adopt. He is a figure of the right and can't do it. But um, there is, I think, a lesson here. There is an assumption that if the Tories lose the election, it will move further to the right. And if so, it will give, uh, if Keir Starmer, we don't know, As I, if you listen to my live show, it, it, he, he, like many leaders of the opposition, it's not unusual it's impossible to know for sure what he will be like as a prime minister. But if he um, continues to follow the Blair-Mandelson kind of route in power, there will be issues about the incremental caution and the focus groups paralyzing bold ambition, but much less if the Tories move to the right, there will still be acres of space. So, for example, in 2001, in that election, William Hague had offered this tax guarantee, which could only be paid by public spending cuts. So even though New Labour hadn't spent much on public spending in terms of increasing it, they'd stuck to the Tory spending plans for a lot of that first term. They were able to say compared to the spending cuts being proposed by this right-wing Tory party, we are the party of the public realm, as well as the party that protects you from tax rises and all the other things. So if they do that then, after the election, New Labour will be in for two terms, New Labour. Kirstarmer's Labour, uh, which, by the way, is different in some respects, which, again, we will explore in 2024. But the pre-election strategy has many echoes with the Blair-Brown pre-election strategy of uh, 97. So there we are. Just an opening thought. If Sunak wants to narrow the gap, he needs to look at options of improving the terrible state of public services. He shouldn't have scrapped their plan for a Great Britain Railways setup, which is not going to get any legislation. He should have sorted out all these uh, strikes, the junior doctor strike that is ongoing. He should have um, put a focus on all, you know, 
Labour, Bridget Phillipson, the Shadow Education Secretary, wanted a really ambitious scheme for childcare. They've got a kind of minimalist one with breakfast clubs, I think, again, paid for by the non-dom tax and the uh, tax on private schools, maybe. Um, they should go bigger. And, and, and if they were to do that, it's too late now. But that is the way you beat a Labour Party pursuing this particular strategy, which is say is very constraining in some respects. And I think the caution will itself prove to be quite risky over time, but not when you're facing a confused prime minister who is only looking at options from the right in 2024. Anyway, well, look, um, normal service resumed early next week, but I thought I'd just say hello, Happy New Year to the whole rock and roll politics cooperative and give that unsolicited advice to Rishi Sunak because you can't beat that new Labour strategy from even further to the right. And um, let's have a look at this whole, this whole boats people thing is going to erupt again. Anyway, it's going to be a heck of a year. So we need to keep together to make sense of it all. And I know we will. So if you could, I know this is a shorter one than usual, please leave a review. Please tell friends, family and all the rest of it uh, to tune in because from early next week, we're back big time to make sense of it all. And also, of course, Thank you for subscribing to Patreon. Please subscribe to Patreon because it keeps this whole show on the road. <laughs> and um, yeah, there's going to be all kinds of bonuses for Patreon subscribers in the coming months, as well as a catalogue of podcasts for newcomers to listen to. And we'll get together soon for a live Zoom because I'm not doing a live show for quite some time. And that one won't be recorded either. So you have to come along in uh, March. Yeah, at King's Place and in the great legendary rope tackle in March. Um, but thank you so much for uh, kind of, yeah, getting together for the start of the year and say we will resume early next week. Have a good few days. Take care. Bye.